Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. And no, this is not Demi Moore. I am back, but not fully recovered. This is Hai Shen Bui, a pop culture journalist in D.C. And with me are... I am Anya Crittenden, associate editor at The Tracking Board. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. So today, guys, we are about a month away from Hollywood's biggest night, the Academy Awards. And so on February 26th, we will find out if La La Land deserves all 14 nominations that it got or if Moonlight should deserve everything it got because Moonlight deserves everything it got. Um, Moonlight does deserve everything. Yes. Um, So we're talking about Oscars today. We're going to be talking about the Best Picture race, some actors, the uh, whole... Oscars not so white thing that's been trending, which we can we don't really ag- agree with. Yeah, the diversity debate essentially. Yeah, the diversity debate. Um, luckily or fortunately, this year more people of color were nominated. Um, for yeah, which for we'll Oscars. get into when we get to yeah. our acting and so, our diversity talk. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the best picture race, guys. Yeah, we've been. Are we at all? This. Yeah, I want to know. Are we all Team Moonlight? I'm Team Moonlight. I'm Team Moonlight. Team should, Moonlight, so make Team Moonlight across the board. We should get shirts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, we're going to wear our, our political biases on our sleeves today. <laughs> so let's talk about the reason why it's become La La Land versus Moonlight. Um, maybe not the reason why, but those two are obviously the two frontrunners for Best Picture. Um, but there's been a lot of backlash towards La La Land, some warranted, some not. But we all we all agree, I think, that Moonlight is the more powerful and more important movie. Yes. Um, Agreed. And is more deserving of Best Picture in that sense. We all love La La Land. I don't think any of us are like La La Land detractors. Um, but it's it's just a it's a it's an entertaining and it's a charming movie. I honestly didn't think it was anything but above that. I don't think it had the power of Best Picture. Mm-hmm. You know, I, think I agree. I think also the problem with La La Land. And it's actually somewhat the problem with Rogue One, too, is that the ending of La La Land is so good and so powerful. I, I still love the ending to La La Land. But so when you finish watching the movie with that ending, you're, like, on this high. And so you don't really think about the flaws throughout the whole film mm-hmm. until, like, a little while later because you're riding that high from the ending. And it sort of, yeah, yeah agreed. blinds you a bit to things. Yeah, because um, when you look back at La La Land, it doesn't have the strongest plot. Um, it, it's you know, it's a love letter to MGM musicals and cinema and stuff like that. So it doesn't hold well together as a movie on its own. Um, it's great in terms of like references and parallels to An American in Paris, to Fred and Ginger movies, but um, as a movie, it just feels a little bit. Um, Stale. Yeah, and I think this is this is by no means a critical critique, but mm-hmm. it almost seems like it's trying to do the best hits, the greatest hits mm-hmm. of the MGM musicals. Yeah, with like well, like you said, the references and parallels. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that it like Moonlight just has a much tighter story. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Moonlight and why yeah. it's so deserving of this win. Well, um, I think it's you know it's I think it's almost a perfectly made film. Mm-hmm. First off, just in its pacing and tone and cinematography and its script, it's just such a experience as a film. Um, and like you said earlier, HT, it's important. Like, mm-hmm. this is a narrative that has not been told before, is rarely ever told, 
Um, not only is it a film about people of color, but it's about queer people of color and really telling their story with respect and heart and empathy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And I think that some people may view that as, you know, if Moonlight gets a win, that it would be pandering towards some sort of demographic, like, oh, you know, just because it's an important film or just because it's a timely or relevant film, it gets this win. I don't think that's the case because it's a great film on its own, like standing on its own. It's, it, as opposed to Moonlight, I, I mean, as opposed to La La Land, I think it's trying to do something different. Um, and I really like, like, the whole time scheme that we have because, you know, it's a coming-of-age film, and I went into it expecting more of, like, kind of, a boyhood, you know, young, just up to his youth uh, sort of film. Almost like a slice of life. Yeah, like slice of life, but it really, like, tells, like, the story of this man in, like, three important times in his um, life, like, in his development and stuff like that, and as as a grown adult as well. And I just think that's, like, it's so fascinating and something, like, not something we haven't seen before, but something that is uh, rarely done so exceptionally well. Yeah, and the uh, the fact that they used three different actors for not only um, Chiron, but for his best friend, too, you kind of see how the mechanics of the play that it was based on works, mm-hmm. because you, you kind of, you have to have different actors mm-hmm. for um, for the, the three different uh, times in his lives. Um, yeah. And I, I and really th- liked how everyone else was the same person, like the same ca- actor played the same character, like his mom mm-hmm. and uh, Janelle Monae's character, I forget, uh, uh, Teresa, I think her mm-hmm. name is, um, and uh, Mahershala Ali is great in it, and you kind of see how, th- even though they have these three different actors, it's the same character, and the, all three for both the, for Chiron and... Uh, Kevin. Kevin. Uh, they um, they just do a phenomenal job of just getting the characters. Mm-hmm. Well, and the incredible thing about that, and I think this is where a lot of people have talked about, like, if La La Land's going to win one of the big two, director or picture, we should at least have a split between Moonlight and La La Land, where one wins one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I want Moonlight to win both, but yeah. I really want Barry Jenkins to win director because yeah. of not only just his incredible work as a director, but just everything he put into this film and kind of the trials he had to go through to make this film. Like, one of the things about those three actors, or six actors that you mentioned, Willoughby, is that they never met each other. So, like, young Chiron never met teenage Chiron, who never met, like, adult Chiron. Like, they were never allowed to meet each other. Hmm. Like, Barry Jenkins didn't let them. And so they had to kind of embody this character so well that they seemed like the same character without being able to like talk about it with each other that yeah because like usually you get collaborations between actors who are playing the same yeah, character they don't. and they didn't do that so it's that's really all on the director and the writing that's amazing and the acting like mm-hmm. that's that's a triple triple up uh, triple threat right there yeah yeah, yeah so Barry Jenkins think, um this yeah. was his pet project for a while like he like you were saying Anya he's been working on this for years to get this done Um, and it's also very personal for him because he's also a um, queer black man as oh no the um, the the writer the writer is I'm sorry of the original play Mm -hmm. who also helped the screenplay but they both Mm -hmm. grew up poor in the same projects Mm -hmm. in Miami but they didn't Mm -hmm. know each other Mm -hmm. so a lot of a lot of Chiron is taken from Barry Jenkins and a lot of um, 
a lot of it is also taken from uh, uh, Terrell Alvin McCraney, who is the other uh, screenplay writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're all pretty big fans of Moonlight around here, um, and I will say in this two-way race between Moonlight and La La Land, I am kind of glad that Manchester by the Sea has fallen by the wayside. Like, yeah. it was a three-way race for a while, and Manchester by the Sea has lost some steam, and I'm kind of glad about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm... and I think the only the only places where it will get possible wins will be with Casey Affleck and in um, supporting actor... Uh, uh, what's his name? Lucas, Lucas Hedges. Hedges. So you really it. think that he has a chance against Mahershala Ali? Well, not a chance, but I'm just saying, like, it, like, the, it, I don't think Manchester by the Sea is going to get Best Picture, but I think I think you could get writing though. Writing? Because yeah. like um, it t- it tied with La La Land at the Critics' Choice. Yeah, and I, it didn't I, win at the Golden Globe, but I think it has a better shot. I think its two best shots are actor and writing. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Although I don't plan to see it, honestly. Um, Neither do I. So, yeah. I mean, I've heard good things from it. That you know, I, I have stands against Casey Affleck essentially. Um, if you guys want to know more about it, I would actually encourage looking at Constance Wu's Twitter. She wrote a really great, um, I guess I want to say manifesto statement against Casey Affleck and his nomination by the uh, Academy Awards. So that's a really good um, argument against his nomination and just like kind of the issue and controversy around Manchester by the Sea. And yeah. uh, Hacksaw Ridge. With oh. Mel and Mel Gibson. And Hacksaw Ridge and Mel Gibson, which was a big surprise nomination yeah. for me. Um, yeah, I agree. So I It had been picking up some, like, attention recently. It's mm-hmm. kind of gotten what the, this, all the spots I thought Silence would get. Also starring Andrew Garfield. Yeah. That surprises me because I didn't think Silence would get anything. Silence kind of just disappeared. It, yeah. Oh, wait, uh, wait. Uh, wait, I'm trying to think of a pun regarding silence. Oh, God. It all just went radio silent. There we go. I don't know why I bother with you two. <laughs> so, so we're going to be going moving on to snubs, by, yeah. by the way. And act, I think it's a good chance also for actors, because we mm-hmm. talked about Casey Affleck, and we're not rooting for him mm-hmm. um, because of what he's done and everything. And I think also there are just other deserving people in this category, can we can we bring in a little bit of snubs and actors? Yeah, let's bring in snubs. Because I actors. just really want to give a shout out to Joel Edgerton, who is best actor of my heart this year, for his role in Loving. Okay. He was phenomenal. Like, I'm really happy that Ruth Nega got a surprise nomination for that film, but Joel Edgerton oh, I don't think really should have surprise nomination. I think it was because Loving's been falling it behind. Of, it kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah, it's been falling behind, and people were, like, upset that Annette Bening didn't get an Oscar nomination, too, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but Joel Edgerton is phenomenal in Loving. He, like, completely transforms into the role, and he's just so beautiful in that film. And I wanted him to not only get nominated, but win. So, shout out to Joel Edgerton, best actor in I my heart, want, 2K17. I, I kind of want Viggo Mortensen to, like... Dark horse it up. Dark horse it up. Because I've heard great things about Captain Fantastic. Yeah, the one person now who watched Captain Fantastic loved it because it's just it's quirky and fun, and Cap- Viggo Mortensen's amazing in it. Apparently, mm-hmm. yeah, I've heard um, good things, but but I, but I also yeah. think Denzel Washington. I haven't seen Fences, mm-hmm. but I've heard he's, he's really great. good. Yeah, I I heard good things about him. Um, in terms of like who snubs for actor, I feel like instead of um, 
Well, these are all pretty good, but... The thing is, you can't really fault Andrew Garfield for getting a nomination. Yeah. Because he's doing his best for a movie mm-hmm. that we may not agree with the director's politics, but Andrew Garfield is a great actor. Interesting, because, like, I heard he was okay in the film, but then, like, the film got a little bit... took a strange turn. Like, mm-hmm. at the beginning half of um, Hacksaw Ridge was very much about, like, his vow to... Um, uh, to not use guns. To not use guns, to not use violence. and um, But then it turned into, like, this... In the second half, turned into, like, this giant, bl- brutal, bloody... Yeah. Saving Private Ryan-type uh, film. And, That's like, what I heard. Ha- yeah, Mel Gibson, like, unleashed, like, the most brutal film of the year or something like that. So I think it's a, it's a strange nomination for a strange film to get nominated for Best Picture yeah. in the first place. From Coming from a strange director. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. So... I think... Um, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I think the other big snub is Amy Adams. Oh, yeah. Uh, Amy Adams, definitely. I, I just rewatched Arrival because it's back in theaters, and she deserved every nomination that she got this year, mm-hmm. and she should have gotten a nomination for the Academy She should have taken Meryl Streep's spot. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen Florence Foster Jenkins, but from the trailer and from, like, what I've heard... It should not have been her 20th nomination. But it's her 20th nomination, yeah. which is pretty impressive. And we been, all love her. Yeah, it should have been Amy Adams or um, Annette Benning. Yeah. Because Omer Meryl Streep is kind of the obligatory uh, nomination at this point, like a Tom Hanks. Or Tom Hanks, has he been nominated that much? You no, know, he's but not the been thing nominated is, a lot. Yeah. But Tom Hanks, that's the difference in that Tom Hanks... Um, I actually was reading about this the other day that I think Tom Hanks the last time he was nominated was like the early 2000s. Like wasn't he, he was over for Captain Phillips. No, nope. he wasn't actually. No? I heard about that. Okay. He wasn't nominated for like for Sully, Captain Phillips, um, several of his past films. Like that's the whole thing about Tom Hanks right now is that we all love him, but he hasn't had an Oscar nomination in probably over a decade. Was Castaway his last nomination? It might have been because he wasn't nominated for Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. Hmm. That's so strange. Because he's, I mean, he, he did win back-to-back Oscars, which is almost unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, like, you yeah, know, he hasn't gotten the kind of love that Meryl Streep has gotten. And, like, let's, well, you know, we're going to say for the record, we all love Meryl Streep. She's amazing. But, you know, it does, this nomination feels a little... Yeah, it's a weird. It's, a it's, like, it's, like, it's like her win for Iron Lady. Mm-hmm. And, and also with Amy Adams and Arrival, the film would not work with any other actress. Yeah, it's like how Selma, when it got nominated for Best Picture, didn't get nominated for Best Director or for Best Actor. And it's like, wow, that was a great <coughs> movie that didn't have any actors or directors in it. And, like, yeah. Arrival, it hinges all around Amy Adams. So, like, that's a great movie that had no actress in it. You know, yeah. it's it's all about her. And, like, she, it's, it's strange, too, because she had so much buzz both for her turn in Arrival and Nocturnal Animals, but, like, it kind of... Like, Oscar snubbed her, which is a very strange snub. Yeah. Um, I get the feeling that they just wanted Meryl Streep so that they could have an, a repeat of the Golden Globes speech against Trump, which I don't, I don't fault them for, but at the same time, like, Amy. <laughs> yeah, although personally I'm rooting for Natalie Portman for Jackie because she's number one in my heart mm-hmm. for actresses and also just... It, w- it was a phenomenal uh, performance, and like she was. the same thing I'm saying about Arrival is the same thing for Jackie. That movie would not have worked without Natalie Portman. Yeah, I mean it was basically a vehicle for Natalie Portman, anyways. Yeah, I mean when I when I heard that she was going to be Jackie Kennedy and it was coming out in like the late part of the year, I'm like, okay, so this is her next Oscar campaign. 
Because yeah. uh, last time she was nominated was for Black Swan. Mm-hmm. And she it's, was also pregnant for I was going to say so she maybe, was pregnant then, too. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe these children are good luck charms. It's the second Golden Globes that she couldn't drink. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because she was pregnant for the both of them. What yeah, a and I don't, think she's, I don't think she's gone to any in between because she hasn't really done a lot of Oscar Mm-mm. type movies since she did No Strings Attached and Your Highness right after Black Swan. So. Yeah. So before we do the diversity debate, I want to do a couple more snubs sure. outside of the actors. Um, Sing Street mm-hmm. got totally snubbed for any of the categories, but mostly for original song. Uh, Drive It Like You Stole It should have gotten nominated over two of La Land's um, nominations. Definitely City of Stars because yeah. that was not a like Anya was ranting about this before. It's not a great song. It's a pretty boring song, and Drive It Like You Stole It is so great and, and fun. It's so I mean, fun. How far, how far I'll Go should be the one that wins. We should give Lin-Manuel his EGOT. Yeah. Give him his EGOT. The thing about Drive It Like You Stole It is that in the movie, where it comes into place is so important mm-hmm. in the film. And it's not just like... The, the weirdest thing about City of Stars is that it's just so randomly spot placed. It is. They kind of just like squeeze it into the movie. Yeah, yeah it's they do. not... To but, get the one black but, couple in there, but like the 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 part of the part of the movie where Drive It Like You Stole It comes in is the climax of the movie. The emotional climax, yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Anya, um, watch it. Anya, watch okay. the movie. Um, <laughs> if we're gonna keep on snubs before we get to diversity, mm-hmm. um, I need to give a shout out. These two probably know what I'm gonna say because I've talked a lot about this and written about it yes. in the snubbing of animated films. Year Agreed. after year after year. It is astonishing how the Academy refuses to acknowledge animated films. And, you know, I don't think they're doing it maliciously, but it's really hard not to, like, get some sort of feeling that the Academy looks down on animated films in a way, mm-hmm. in that they're not able to, like, contend with the big boys. And, like... Utopia, Moana, especially. Yeah, I mean... There's a 10th spot for Best Picture, and I could easily see Zootopia, Moana, Kubo, Ghibli's, or Ghibli's The Red Turtle going in there. I'm, I don't know how Zootopia didn't get an original screenplay nomination. Yeah, the movie was phenomenal. And no animated director has ever been up for Best Director, and I don't know how, like, how have you never nominated Hayao Miyazaki? Like, how? He's a legend. As and someone you, who has all of his movies, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's, it's astonishing, and I was—I uh, wrote an essay about this this week, and I looked up some numbers and everything, and I wrote this, but every animated film that's up for Best Animated Feature is more critically acclaimed than La La Land this year. Every single one has a better score than La La Land. So, like, how... And I realize critics aren't the one who, like nominate for the Academy Award and stuff. That's the mm-hmm. Critics' Choice Awards. Yeah. Although they didn't even give love to the animated films. But, like, mm-hmm. if these films are all better, <laughs> why why do they never get acknowledged? I completely agree with you. And I do think, actually, well, I wouldn't say it's malicious, but I do think it's somewhat intentional that yeah. the Academy Awards don't nominate Best Picture, nominate any animated films for Best Picture. Um, ever since Beauty and the Beast was first nominated for Best Picture back in 1990... Came out in 91. 92. So it would have been 92. Oh, the year I was born. Yeah. Um, so Same. it was nominated in 92 for Best Picture, and back then there was no animated feature mm-hmm. spot category. Um, or category for the Academy Awards. So in, like, retaliation against that, they created the 
animation animated feature category next year and from then on they've just been stuffing all of like the animated films in there regardless of except for two deserve to best picture or whether you even deserve to be have an oscar nomination yeah no and, two have made it up and toy story 3 both got best mm-hmm. picture nominations but when you look at both it very deserving. they both got those nominations after the academy went to the 10 slots yeah and mm-hmm. the only years that the academy filled all 10 slots Mm-hmm. Yep. So every year that the Academy hasn't filled all ten slots, no animated film has gotten Best Picture nomination. The ten slots, like the, the fluctuating spot slots that the Academy does, is the most frustrating thing for me. Because yep. just keep it the same every year. Don't you know? Keep us hanging with like how many slots you're going to use, how many movies actually deserve this. Because there's so many movies outside of like the awards circuit that that deserve this acclaim. And that's the whole thing about the five moving it from five to ten after The Dark Knight mm-hmm. was snubbed for Best Picture because a lot of people thought it was very deserving. Mm-hmm. So they were like, okay, so we're going to open it up to ten spots to get more movies nominated and they'll have a better chance of being a Best Picture. And what we've seen is just more white men in historical periods trying to solve, I don't know, dilemmas. Exactly. And I think that they should focus on the more independent movies and the animated movies and a more broader range of... That's why I was so excited last year that Mad Max Fury Road was nominated for Best Picture. Because it's a blockbuster, but it's an amazing... It's one of the best movies... It was one of the best movies of 2015. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was so excited that it won all the technical awards, but unfortunately didn't win Best Director. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's the type of movie that... that's That's the type of movie that they... Uh, expanded their range for mm. is this genre busting blockbuster that will you know allow the people who vote for the academy to vote for this movie mm-hmm. um, which was which is why I thought Deadpool possibly could have gotten them I would have hated that honestly I no it would have been weird mm-hmm. because it was nominated for Producers Guild of America. Yeah. It was one of the top. It was one of the ten movies. Mm-hmm. So like that's where people were like, "Is it gonna get an Oscar?" Um, but like that's what Deadpool's kind of a, a weird example. But like the the kind of like critical acclaim uh, blockbuster mass appeal could get mm-hmm. a nomination because a lot of people were really pissed off that The Dark Knight didn't get it, mm-hmm. even though Heath Ledger did get a posthumous yeah. uh, nomination. Mm-hmm. So that's my rant on the, the ten the ten film spots. So I think um, that'll be a good way to move over to our discussion about uh, diversity. So last year was the debacle that was Oscars So White. The second year. The second year that was the debacle that was Oscars So White. And a lot of people have been claiming that, you know, because this um, the actress and actor um, categories are so diverse this year that, you know, Oscars So White is over. It's not. Yeah, I don't think it is, but although I'm really happy that every acting category has a person of color in, that, um, in the category, I do think that... It's another step in terms of like getting diversity behind the scenes and getting directors and stuff. And I think it's little, little. Uh, oh, here we go. It's a little um, forward to just claim that diversity is solved because of it. But I am happy. Just yeah, we're almost there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just like people need to stop saying Oscar's not so white because like mm-hmm. that is not helpful in any way like mm-hmm. it's like one of those things it's like we elected the first black man as president racism is over like and then obama eight years later is like 
dude is not. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing, is that, like, just because we have some more diversity in our categories this year doesn't mean that, like, we've solved the problem in Hollywood at large. Because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's also still the problem of that, like, we also still have a lack of Latinos or Asians getting nominated. Mm-hmm. We also still have a lack. Oh, hey, we actually have two Asians we, in the acting categories. Steph Patel and Emma Stone. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I made the joke. Sorry, guys. Wow. I'm allowed to be angry. You are. Yes, no, you are. And you should be angry. Much. And, like, that's the thing is that there's still a lack on all fronts. And um, even, you know, in other diversity races, like, we still have a lack of female directors getting nominated mm-hmm or female screenwriters, or female cinematographers. It's, you know, we're still way behind where we should try and be. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's on a, a good positive, step. Yeah. On, on the positive note, um, the, the film editor for Moonlight is a black woman, which is really cool. That is amazing. And they've never, the film editing has never had a black woman been nominated before. Oh, wow. So there's some, there's some good, good progress but we've still got a lot of a lot of ways to go, mm-hmm. and I think the fact that the academy has opened up a lot more spots for people of color in their 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 ranks, their ranks mm-hmm. that I think that this is that that's helping. I agree. I think this is a step in the right direction, although the journey is not yet over. Yep. But I'm really happy, especially for like Mahershala, Mahershala Ali. He is one of the most deserving uh, nominations I've ever seen. Yeah, and Viola um, Davis. And Viola Davis, Denzel Washington, of course. Um, I'm I'm just so excited about people who deserve to get nominated are nominated. Yeah. Although I do want to bring up one more snub um, in terms of like Asian diversity again. Um, Handmaiden got mm. no technical awards, which just astonished me because Did it get any awards. It didn't get any. It didn't get any awards at all. Um, fun fact: South Korea, um, in its whole history of cinema, which is admittedly very short, has had no nominations for any of their. Wait, films. Wait, the Handmaid's it did not get best foreign language film. No. Mm-mm. The best foreign language films are uh, Land of Mine, uh, A Man Called Ove, The Salesman, Tana, and Tony, uh, Tony Erdman, which are, they're all from Denmark, Sweden, Iran, Australia, and Germany. I do know it's Australia's very first nomination. No, good for them. For best foreign yeah. film. It, yeah, it's just like, it astonishes me that, like, for example, Park Chan-wook has gotten no nominations for even like old boy or anything like, yeah there have been a lot of good korean cinema coming out lately but maybe it's because it's so new that they haven't gotten any nominations is yet. snowpiercer technically a korean film it is because it's a korean director because mm-hmm. um, I, I just knew it was english language yeah so. it didn't get any nominations though either no um it might be just because korean cinema is still in its beginnings and it's still kind of in the genre type of films but you would know, you have placed it in best picture as well as I best foreign language film? I probably wouldn't have placed it in best picture, but best foreign language film, definitely. And cinematography, some of the technical awards, costumes, handmade and had some gorgeous costumes. Yeah. So I just, I think that, like, it's unfortunate that it didn't get any awards. Well, I was going to say, it's foreign language films, or just, like, foreign films, because mm-hmm. Australia, obviously, is not foreign language, but... Um, mm-hmm. They also have the problem that I think animated films have in that, like, they're kind of relegated to best foreign film and nothing else, and mm-hmm. they tend not to get recognized elsewhere. Like, Isabelle Huppert has gotten a nomination, Emmanuel Reba got a nomination for Amour um, mm-hmm. a couple years back, which she should have won. Still bitter about that year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, they also, just the Academy just, you know, they have a tendency to kind of look at their own tiny circle of 
you know, your traditional Oscar fare and not really mm-hmm. try and branch out more, which is why Mad mm-hmm. Max's nomination last year was so exciting, as Willoughby said, but it's already proving to be the exception and not the rule. And yeah. it's, it's it gets a bit, you know, tiring that the Academy just does the same thing year after year. Mm-hmm. I think it's a weird damned if you do, damned if you don't situation with these separate categories and then the best picture categories. Mm-hmm. Because if a movie, if let's say you, you have a Pixar movie and it's nominated for best animated feature and then it's also nominated for best picture, mm-hmm. it's almost like you can tell that it's going to be the one that gets the nomin- that gets the win for best animated yeah. picture. And the same thing kind of goes for the same for foreign language to a lesser extent because I feel like the Academy is still very much um, pro-American films mm-hmm. or pro, yeah, pro Hollywood films. Pro Hollywood films. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I feel like with animation, like if you're like, oh, well, Moana gets Best Picture nomination and Best Animated Picture, mm-hmm. so it's probably like a, like people are like, oh, well, it's just gonna win the. Na- it's like almost like a given. But who cares? Yeah. And I feel, but yeah. well, like I, well, that's the thing. It's like it's. I mean, yeah, who cares? But at the same time, it should be given a fair... All all movies... If the movies film, if the film is chance. one of the best films of the year, it should get a Best Picture nomination. Full stop. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. But it just... It just from the Hollywood voting side, they're, they're fickle. Well, it's the Academy's fault for making these categories in the first place. Yeah, they're weird. I'm still bitter about them making the best anime, animated feature category just based on, like, backlash against I mean, it's, the again, like, really, it's, I'm torn, though, because I feel like if they didn't have that category, we would get no animated films at mm-hmm. the Academy Awards. That's true. So it's, like, maybe right. it's frustrating in that I want them to get recognized. I'm glad they are, but, like, they deserve more than what they're just getting recognition for. Like, Pete Docter should have been nominated for Best Director, like, at least twice by now. (sighs) The Academy has many things to fix. Mm -hmm. It does, but we took some steps forward this year. Yes. I think, how would you guys compare this year's Oscar nominees to previous years? I think it's definitely a step forward from last year and the year before. It is very much a step forward Mm -hmm. from the twenty. 14 and 2015, 2015 and Oscars, the mm-hmm. ones that took place in 2015, mm-hmm. where it was all the British men doing things. The brilliant British men. Yeah. With supporting wives and girlfriends. The long-suffering girlfriends. I really want Felicity Jones to do something more than just that, which I'm glad <laughs> yeah. she's doing Rogue One and Monster Calls. Yeah, yeah, I think that we've taken some really good steps forward, I think, and I think that we've also kind of stalled on some things, like the nominations of Casey Affleck and Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. And I think those are definitely issues to address. Mm-hmm. And I do want to give a shout out to just like the films this year being so good. Like this year's Oscar picks have been uh, had made me like very happy just because there's been so much diversity in terms of content, also in terms of like actual diversity. And um, there's just been a lot of strong Oscar offerings. Like there's so many things that you can find amongst like. You can find a great film in Loving, or you can find a great film in Lion, as well as one in La La Land or Moonlight. So it's just or Arrival. Lo- or I'm really glad Arrival's arrival. gotten it. Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water. Yeah, I haven't talked about Hell or High Water. It's so good, guys. It's so good. I don't want it to win Best Picture, but I think I think it's so good. It's it's nice that like these films that were released outside of the Oscar circuit. Yeah, are it was back in August. Acclaimed. Yeah, that was back in August. Arrival was back in November. Yeah. Well, it is kind of. Oscar time, but it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't uh, pitched as an Oscar movie. No. So I just want to say this year has been really good in terms of like the pickings. Also, real quick, 
if we give Lin-Manuel his EGOT. He will be the youngest person to ever win an EGOT. And he's a person of color. Yeah. Nice. Give Lin-Manuel his EGOT. He's Honestly. like as old as my sister. Like <laughs> wow. My, my How old is your sister? She was born in 82. Oh, he's young. He's a millennial. 80, she, uh, she was born in 83, so I think she, I think he was born around the same time. So Lin-Manuel could be a, a millennial. He's like the very end. We could have millennial. him on the Millennial Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is get Lin-Manuel to Skype okay, into we'll, us. Okay, we'll yes. get right on so, that HD. Lin-Manuel, if you're listening, <laughs> we want you on the Millennial Falcon. Help us, Lin-Manuel. You're our only hope. <laughs> And I think that is a great way to end our discussion of the Oscars. I think that's, yes. Yeah, I think it's a great wrap-up to our Oscar discussion. Look forward to the ceremony when it takes place on February 26th, my birthday. Yeah, shout-out to HD's yeah. birthday. Give me a good birthday present and let Moonlight win and let Lin-Manuel get his EGOT. Yeah. Yeah, if anyone's in the Academy and can vote, um, vote for Moonlight. Yeah. <laughs> vote for Moonlight. All right. Let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Anyways, what do you guys really like this week in pop culture? Um, Anya, why don't you go first? Well, guys, I really love period dramas a lot. And there's a new one that started airing in the United States called Victoria, and I'm very much enjoying it. Um, It's a BBC uh, series, so it's already aired in England, um, and now it's airing on PBS's Masterpiece Theatre here in the U.S. Um, It is about Queen Victoria. She's played by Jenna Coleman from Doctor Who fame. And it's just really wonderful so far. You know, it gets a little soapy at times, as these period traumas tend to do. But I think they're doing a really good job so far. The politics are all very compelling. Um, and I just really love period dramas. Like, they're some of my that's some of my favorite like genre of media is just getting swept up in like some historical romance. Um, and I've missed kind of having it in TV form, uh, so I can have it week after week. Because it's been a while since we've had a good period drama as, like, a TV show. Um, Downton Abbey is no longer available. It's not. And and Downton Abbey kind of... It started stronger than it ended. Um, I've never seen it. For sure. It it started pretty strong. Um, I know they're they're kind of hoping Victoria can kind of take its place um, in the United States. I don't know if it will or not, but it's very enjoyable. The Crown. The Crown as well. The Crown isn't week by week. Oh, that's true. It's yeah. Um, so it's a great show. Rufus Sewell's also in it. He plays Lord Melbourne, who is the Prime Minister to Victoria, um, for a while at least. Um, and he's excellent. He is so good. And he's finally not playing a villain. He's excellent, and he's excellent looking. That is accurate, friends. That is very <laughs> accurate. So I'm really enjoying Victoria. I love these historical dramas. They They kind of sweep me up. So, yeah. Yay. And I'm happy you did only one this week, Anya. I caught you last week. I was listening to the episode. Hey, I, and I, heard I, you. I gave my reasons. I'm a little rebel. If it you're makes, not here, I'm going to break the rules. It makes sense, I guess. So I'll let it pass. Anyways, Willoughby. Hi. What is your really like for this week? So, the past couple of days have been pretty rough politically in our world. So, I decided to escape a little to West Covina. 
and I caught up with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because I've been I was behind for five episodes. Um, so yesterday I took the time to just binge the all the episodes that are available on CW. Luckily, I had I had the episode had that had just expired I had already watched, so I'm all caught up now. Didn't miss any episodes. I think it's one of the great escapist shows on TV right now. The music's always phenomenal. Uh, Seth Green was on the latest episode. He was. Which was amazing, because I'm like, Seth Green, what are you doing here? Also, like, I don't know if you guys know this, but you know how she they've kept trying to like sing period sex throughout the season? Yeah. Did you guys see that she uploaded the video for period sex? No. I didn't. Oh so she when I saw when I saw her last week, she sang the whole version of Period Sex at the comedy show mm-hmm. I saw her at, which was really great. But she also just uploaded a video of Period Sex, so it's on YouTube now. So everyone can That's finally amazing. see the song Period Sex and see what it's all about. Okay. Willoughby's kind of nodding like mm, okay. maybe not. Uh, but I'm excited. It's really it's, funny. It's a great show. It's got I I'm really loving how complicated she uh uh, Rebecca is as a character because it's just she's so great at being like a real person but then like like oh she's got her head in the clouds and she really can't see like the realities around her and then like she kind of gets like um you know like reality slapped in the face with her like just things that are happening I'm really glad that it's not just like not everything is happy-go-lucky there's a lot of it's like a dark undertone to the show um and I like the, the relationship that she has with Paula. I love that it's so complicated and so interesting, and that they're you know the the codependency issues that are going on there are very fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the music, and it's just such a visually pleasing show. You know, I was worried for the second season when they um, when Greg left the show, because and it kind of has the same feeling that like the Mindy project was trying to do with like the main male lead leading the show and they're trying to go for like the own her the female lead like the main character struggling how to deal with her own issues and like struggling to gain that Although, independence but i think crazy ex girlfriend does it much better Josh Chan is still around Josh Chan still is around but he's not really like i wouldn't say i wouldn't say he's like a male lead but I, he's just kind of like he's an object you know you know, for her. Yeah, they do kind of flip the script on that, mm-hmm. which I really like. He's yeah. kind of like this, he's not like the personification of perfect, mm-hmm. perfection, but like to her, uh, he is. Yeah. Which is really, he's the Manic Pixie dream boy of the show. Because mm-hmm. he's just kind of like, hey, I'm doing my thing. <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of love Josh. He's yeah. so Josh pure. Is great. He's just not good with Rebecca. Yeah. Also, he's a great singer and dancer. Like, he's got the whole, like, boy band thing going on. I can attest to his great dancing because I've done a dance class with him. What? Is that what the one, the... the, Yeah, so the Broadway dance dance class that I go to, Vincent occasionally... What? You never told us that. Yeah, Vincent occasionally stops by. Was he, like, just to, like, chill with you guys? Or does he, like, actually, he teaches you dance? No, 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 he doesn't, he doesn't. He's friends with our teacher, uh, Joe. Okay. And he does the class with us. Like, he does all the moves and he, like, he's just in our group just doing the class. That's awesome. He's really fun. So now you've met you've met like both uh, Rachel Bloom and uh, I don't know the actor. Vincent name. Rodriguez the Vincent third. Vincent Rodriguez. Vincent Rodriguez. So like you've met both mm-hmm. of them. Man, LA life seems pretty idyllic right now. <laughs> you've met so many cool people from the CW on you. This is ridiculous. Well, she does have a friend who works at the CW. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is that is. Uh, that's the only reason I've met them. So, except for Vincent. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. But <laughs> that was so, crazy random happens. To shout me. out to Dana for <laughs> getting me all this access. Yay, Dana. She listens, I know, right? I think yeah. so. Sometimes. Hi, Dana. <laughs> yeah, if, Dana, if you're listening, hi. <laughs> so, my really like for this week has something to do, it's somewhat related to Willoughby's, and also somewhat related to what I was admonishing Anya for earlier. It's revisited modern musicals. So, I recently just watched Gallivant for the first time, and I was just enchanted, and I love the entire thing. Anya and Willby have been trying to get me to watch it forever, and I was finally, because of my horror, like, horrifying throat and cough, I was home from work for the past week, so I was like, I need something to binge that's like a nice comedy, and it's fun, and I don't have to pay attention too much, but Gallivant had my attention, and it was so sweet. You could binge it all in one day. Exactly. I did binge it all in one day, actually. This, that Disney magic, Alan Menken's Disney magic really just got me. So also I, Timothy Olmesson. Yes. It was, just, it was so fun and, like, snarky and self-deprecating. So I just I, I enjoyed it a lot. But also, my second part of this <laughs> She's got two. Hey. Sing Street. I rewatched I it again believe this last right night. <laughs> So I hadn't seen Sing Street since I saw it in theaters the first time. And I will say it's much improved upon watching it with subtitles because I can understand what they're saying (laughs) because of their heavy Irish accents. Um, But also, like, the lyrics just make much more sense and are much more emotionally resonant when you watch it. So I was introducing it to my cousins last night because we were there at my house for for Lunar New Year. It was um, the year of the rooster now, by the way. Happy Lunar New Year to everyone. I wish you all good fortune and good health. Um, And I started off my new year by watching... Sing Street again, and Yay. it was a great choice because it's a great movie. Justice for Sing Street, everyone watch it. Hashtag. <laughs> I'm so unimpressed right now. right now. I'm so excited. After you were... weeks and months of HT <laughs> admonishing us for doing two, uh, really likes every week. I've taken my revenge. I was so excited you were Anya's talking about Galavant. <clears throat> my like my beloved Galavant, and then you you ruined it. I didn't ruin it because. If you knew Sing Street, you would say that made it even better. Yes. Yes. I've seen both, so yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Listen to Willoughby. Oh, also, speaking of, Sing Street is streaming on Netflix. And Willoughby, why don't you tell everyone where you can find the Oscar movies that are streaming on Netflix? Okay. Oscar-nominated films. <laughs> so for Hell or High Water, I mean, most movies, some movies are already out. Uh, on The Lobster is on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could stream it right away. Sing Street's on Netflix, I think also on Amazon Prime. Um, Arrival will be coming to Blu-ray and DVD on February 14th. It'll be coming to digital HD, which means Amazon, uh, on January 31st. You will have to pay money for it. I know some people don't like to do that to watch the movies, but I think you can rent it for five bucks, and it's great. Um, uh, you've got movies like uh, Captain Fantastic is also on Amazon Prime. Uh, Hell or High Water is already available to watch on uh, digital HD and Blu-ray and stuff. So and Amazon. And Am- uh, Amazon, but you'd have to pay for it. To rent, yeah. Um, other than that, I think all the other movies... Uh, Zootopia is on Netflix, too. Zootopia is on Netflix, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just looking at this. Uh, Sully is available to watch if you want to watch it for the sound editing nomination. <laughs> 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 all right, I think <laughs> now we're getting a little... Yeah, we're getting pretty oh, niche there. One thing, um, there for best documentary uh, feature, 
uh, OJ, OJ Made, Made America. America is on Hulu. I watched that. I, haven't talk, I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast. I watched all three parts. It's seven and a half hours. It's breakneck speed of OJ's life. It's amazing. It's so great. Everyone watch it. I started watching it on Hulu. It's actually very good. And side note to that, The People versus OJ starts streaming on Netflix in, at the very beginning of February. Also, Ava yeah. DuVernay's documentary 13th is on Netflix. Yes, which is a Netflix original. So it's already on Netflix. And it's on a for best documentary? Yes. yes. All right. I think that is our episode for the week. So if you guys have any thoughts on Oscar nominations, who you want to win, who your snubs are, you should definitely come chat with us about that. Or if you have thoughts on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Galavant, Sing Street, all musicals. If you have thoughts on the musicals these days, guys. Um, or what was my really like? Or Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> or if you have thoughts on period dramas, if you guys are checking out Victoria, you guys should definitely come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook, where you can search for us there. We're on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and Twitter, iTunes and Google Play, where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. And one more thing, I just want to say for other best pictures that are uh, I haven't talked about, they're all in theaters still, um, and a lot of theaters like to do this thing where they're, they'll bring back Oscar-dominated movies uh, to show again, like they just did that for Arrival. So right now, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, actually I don't think Hacksaw Ridge, um, Hell or Hellrider, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight are still available to watch in theaters. Um, so get on it, guys. And where can they find you? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.